43 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, I'm assuming since nobody bitched about our, our intro just being music now, everybody likes it, and I'm going to stay lazy and keep it that way. Yeah, I still haven't listened to that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Thanks. I've been busy, man. I've been busy. And then it sounds like Robert's moving furniture Sorry. around in his house right now. Uh, I technically actually was. <laughs> Sorry. Robert just like the feng shui is off in my house. Let me fix it for this podcast. It is fixed. Uh so the it, it's we're recording on Sunday, which is weird. But we're recording yeah. on Sunday because we won't have our house tomorrow. Nope. Because of our I'm floors. Getting floors. Finally fixing your floors. Thank that's you. Good. Yes. It's, it's only taken like six months. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh so yeah, we'll be in a hotel. They're putting us up in a hotel tomorrow night because we can't even be on the floors at all. So, so we did it tonight. Sounds fun. So, so how was your week, Robert? Your Thanksgiving week? It was great. We spent the whole week out at the ranch in West Texas, and uh, it was refreshing. It was weather was great. We had a great time. Got some meat for the freezer, and uh, put a dent in the Texas pig population. Nice. Oh, you also okay. found some uh, cool invertebrates. Yeah, we found some scorpions. Um, some of the banded bark scorpions that are all over Texas. I found a, about a six-inch long red-headed centipede and a bunch of millipedes Gosh. for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I, I got a bunch of millipedes in this week, actually. Yeah, it was but a lot of Florida fun. species. We, uh, we probably could have found more scorpions, um, but it was just a little bit cold. Uh, so I think that caused them to... Rain? We got it rained yesterday from the minute, probably about an hour after sunup, and then we drove six hours home in the rain the entire way. Yep, it's rained here for the last three days, and it's been miserable. (laughs) Rachel just walked in here with a piece of pumpkin pie with whipped cream on it, and is just eating it in front of me. That's fucked up. I I bought a different type of pumpkin pie this year. It's fantastic. uh, The pie that I made was not as good this year as it has been in previous years. Yeah, we got a different brand. I was told not to buy that that brand again. (laughs) We had a friend of ours who lives in. If you keep smacking into the mic, I'm going to call you Justin. (laughs) It's done. I'm done with it. We uh, (laughs) we had a friend of ours that lives in the town that we hunt. It's a small town, like two thousand people. We had a friend of ours that lives there cook us Thanksgiving, I guess, lunch, and we went and picked it up from her, and she made us a pumpkin pie that was one of the best I've ever had, which is saying a lot for a guy like me. But she uh, did she make the pumpkin pie or just heat up yes. the pumpkin pie? No, but it she was made not it. a – yes. Yeah, no. yeah, the pumpkin pie was the only one I didn't make this year. Yeah. And apparently it showed. It was the wrong brand. It was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was edible, and I'm not going to turn down pumpkin pie. It just was not as good as previous pumpkin pies. Uh, I'll do better. Yes. Yes, you will. My turkey fell apart. Jesus Christ. All right. I don't know if anybody out there has ever had this problem, but so Katie comes to us and she goes, I think I put my turkey in upside down. And this is like when we're about to take it out. I'm like, how do you put a turkey in upside down? The hole goes on the bottom. It's pretty easy to figure out. She opens opens the thing. I'm like, that turkey's upside down. There's a, there's a hole wow. there. I'm like, she's like, I right, we can flip it, and there was no fucking flipping that turkey. <laughs> no. that thing we went fell. to go, 
Sorry. we went to go move part of all the leg the legs fell off the wings fell off I'm like all right so wow. we had a, we had a platter of turkey instead of the whole turkey there was it no was carving. ugly it was so ugly but it tasted so but was good. it good that's all that matters yes. well and josephine did the she makes an herb butter that we use on it and so the only thing she didn't do was actually put it in the roaster. The damn thing probably would have been the right way up if she would have woken up. Well, she up also didn't get it. it out because I was busy burning my hands while we tried to get it I, out. Well, obviously, I wasn't going to let her help with that. But Yeah, there was no using tongs because it fell apart. It was a nightmare. the first time I've ever used a uh, like countertop turkey roaster instead of using the oven. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, man. It was an adventure, to say the least. I bet. So anyways... Uh, before we get a guest on, I want to go ahead and do our, our sponsors. Uh, first sponsor, which I'm kind of sad I'm having withdrawals because we didn't have a Herp show this weekend. And I'm, I've been used to having them almost every weekend. But our first sponsor is uh, Herp's Reptile Shows, which their next show is Austin next weekend? Next weekend. Fifth and yeah. sixth. Next weekend. Yeah, that's the last, weekend. Yeah, it's the last show of the year, Austin. I will be there. And then, and then yes, if you need a rack, go by. See Robert, get you a rack. Uh, and then you won't be able to see any of us again until Slidell in January on the 8th and 9th, or 9th and 10th. 8th and 9th? 9th and 10th. Yep. I don't know. Whatever that weekend is, it's there. That is Slidell. And then there's Oklahoma City, I think. Yep. And then Longview, which I'll be at Longview. I'm not driving to Oklahoma City, but I'll be at Longview. Okay. And then Conroe. So yep, Four in a row in January. For you. Three in a, well, three-ish in a row for me. Yeah. Because I'm not driving to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. So four in a row in January, then nothing for three weeks in February. <laughs> it's going to be weird. So well, we'll have NARBC in that time. No, we'll have NARBC in that time. It's during that break. Well, I've got to come over in there. February? One... Yeah. Yes. I want to these. I don't know. We, we may. We may. I've never been to the NARBC in uh, in Arlington. Arlington? Dallas? It's yeah. The same place. It's in Arlington. Yeah. It's a Dallas suburb. Dallas, Fort Worth, Maybe Arlington. It's all the same thing. Vacation. Yeah. A February vacation? Who you takes a February? You normally take me somewhere during February. Oh, do I? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. So, yeah, maybe. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day, so that'll be a good good vacation. What the hell? <laughs> I do have some something, <laughs> something that'll be uh, Is this the Hunger be Games fun awesome show. I'm going to bring... <laughs> I'm, okay, wait. I'm assuming that wasn't Rachel, you, Robert, right? Turn your volume down no, on the phone. It was. No, it was Rachel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's sitting on the stairs. and May the odds forever be in your favor. Oh, my God. That, that ringtone is the loudest thing ever. Oh, my God. It was clear. It was so crystal fabulous. clear. <laughs> yeah. Just, just out of nowhere. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so Arlington. You'll be at Arlington. Yeah, more you're, than likely. You're vending it this time, right? Uh, I haven't signed up yet, but I probably will. Since we have three weeks off and and honestly shows you where I make most of my money. Um, that's a good one. That's I a do big too, show. So, yeah, yeah. And it's only, yeah. you know, three hours from here. So that'd be pretty good. You'll have Conroe and then Arlington. Those are two pretty good shows. Yeah, that'd be really two really good shows back to back. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to reveal my new, um, Arboreal rack this weekend in Austin. I'll have it. I built some Ooh. for I built some for a gecko breeder, and they turned out great. So I'm going to build one to take to Austin this weekend. And, That's awesome. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. What kind of tubs are you using? 66 quart Sterilite tubs. 
Have you, uh, what? Oh, I'm going to get to him in a second. She's wanting me to like, get to our guest. I know our guest is there. I'm just, I'm getting to him one well, second. Maybe he wants to chime in on these conversations. He can chime in in a second. Calm down. Cool your tits. <laughs> it takes you way too long to bring in our guest. I have an issue. No, I've heard some. Po- Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, have you thought about using those clear tubs that you just started getting? Um, well, they don't make oh, anything. That they're they're working it, my boiler rack for those. Oh, I didn't know if they made no. a tall one or not. Eh, never mind. No, not okay. yet. Not yet. Uh, and then our other our other uh, sponsor we've been talking about for the last five minutes. Want to go ahead, Robert? <laughs> Lone Star Reptorex. Yes. That, what is your website me? real quick? www.lsreptilerax.com. Yes. Okay. So let me go ahead and get to our guest since I keep getting ugly looks. Yep. So this guest was supposed to be on three episodes ago, but COVID sucks and it's 2020. So shit happens because I promised on episode 20 that we would have this person back every 20 episodes. And so episode 40 was supposed to be this person. But we finally got him on. It is Joe Phelan. How's, how's it going, Joe? Thank you again for having me. This is like my second home, and I appreciate it. And every 20-ish episodes. Every 20-ish episodes. <laughs> and you get different co-hosts every time you come on. Yeah, yeah. Plus a completely new cast of characters this time around. It's my first time with Katie and, and Robert. I don't know if I've ever met you in person, but it's no, nice to meet you. You too. So. And so, yeah, and I didn't know that it was now Invert Gumbo Radio, so it's nice. I know, uh, right? A good change of pace here. It is. I like my we're, inverts. We're making James. We're making James change it up. I, I don't have an issue with things with legs. We're going to have so, a on episode one day. Yes, uh, we are. You get one of those. You better <laughs> hope you make be. a plan out really well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I, I'll take like 15 spider episodes before we get to Not spider ball python episodes. Like tarantulas. Tarantulas. <laughs> uh, I was happy to see. Oh, what? Somebody sneezed. I don't know who it was. I don't care either. Anyways. So I was happy to see that you're back doing podcast again, Joe. Yeah, it took a little bit there. So, if, I mean, if anybody's listening to this podcast, I'm sure they've listened to you, but it's from the ground up. So, everybody, I'm, if you haven't listened to From the Ground Up and you're somehow listening to us, I, I find that to be amazing. But, uh, yeah, the other day I was sitting there and it popped up on my phone that you were live. Actually, I was sitting, I was dropping off something to someone like an hour away, and then I listened to you on the drive home. And uh, it, it makes it kind of painful because I can't join the live chat while I'm driving. So, that kind of sucked. Yeah, I feel like that was... I don't know. It was really great, first of all, coming back, but it was really great to have so many people in the chat that, like, you know, at, at one point, uh, Justin was in there and Eric Burke and uh, April and a bunch of different people were coming in and asking a bunch of questions. So uh, it was a good time. So since you've been gone and now you're back, what are some, uh, I, I mean, I know one big thing is you talked about it on your podcast and we'll talk about that tonight, I'm sure. But what are some things that have been going on with you lately, either collection-wise or business-wise? Yeah, so a lot of things going on. Collection-wise, I am kind of – I'm at the point where I have a whole bunch of grow-outs from the last couple of years. So I have to kind of pare down my adults. So I am selling off some adults. Um, for the most part, I did that all in the last two or three months. But uh, still have one adult up for sale and some yearlings up. 
But um, yeah, I have a bunch of geckos. I don't know if uh, we probably covered that last time I was here, but got a whole yes. bunch of gargoyle geckos, have a lychee. Yeah, expensive ass lychees. And uh, yeah, I want to get, I'm kind of getting into micro geckos. It's becoming more Ooh. and more appealing to me. Those are cool because you can do like the little tiny exoterras fully planted and throw them in there. Yeah, there's something nice about having the setups with the plants and everything, but also not really having to be hands-on with anything and just watching them interact and act naturally, essentially, I mean, to the best of our ability. That's so, so. cool. That's why I want to get tree frogs. That's different. I know it's different, but you can just <laughs> set them up and watch them. They're that kind would... of, uh, yeah, amphibians have always been kind of touch and go with me, especially with, like, say, like tree frogs or... If you're talking about your common ones in the species or in the hobby, rather. No, she's talking about expensive ones because we have friends that do the shows with us that have frogs and they're and they're normally near us. Amazon and milk the, frogs are not that expensive. That's true. They're not that, those amazing. aren't that bad. The starlight ones were awesome, yeah, though. Those. I'm sorry, Joe. I interrupted. What up, no, man? no, no. It's totally fun. But yeah, I mean, that that's the idea, like an animal that's a little bit more hands off and you just get to observe them. I'm What's liking that more and more. What scares me with those micro geckos is they're so damn small. I'd always be paranoid they'd find some way out. Kind of like a baby corn snake. I'd always be afraid they'd find some way out. Well, they pretty much do. Uh, I have a <laughs> I have a micro exoterra. <laughs> I have a micro exoterra that's like siliconed in all corners uh, to keep my morning geckos in. But um, I know I've I've been over Scott Borden's. He has a quite a few micro geckos, and they do their best to you know, seal up every hole, but every once in a while, it's just, uh, you get an adventurous one and they find a new hole somewhere. So are you going to have to do fruit flies? Uh, yeah, you know, I'll have like one or two cultures at a time. Nothing crazy. Cause I only have, uh, I only have a few, but yeah, it's kind of a pain to work with them, especially with the front opening. And, uh, I don't know. I'd yeah. heard that some people use like salt and pepper shakers to put them yeah, in, that which I need on- to try. On your podcast, uh, who mentioned that? Carly may mention that, I think. Yeah, it's like such a good suggestion. It's something that is somewhat obvious, but then it's so useful because if anyone's ever had fruit flies, it's like you open the lid and they go everywhere. Even if just they can't fly, it's still not convenient. And just don't grab the wrong salt and pepper shaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the other problem with them is like you may get flightless ones, but through the wonders of science – mutations happen and uh and then you end up with ones that can't fly yeah i was always wondering if that is uh wild you know wild flies getting in there or they're (laughs) mutating or i don't know well when i was in college and we had to breed them for genetics class i knew some folks who would have flightless ones and then magically you know a week or two into it there's a handful that are flying i don't know whether they just didn't weren't good at when they were counting because so in college, when you have to do them for genetics, which is why I fucking hate fruit flies, you actually put them in the fridge so they go to sleep, and then you do everything on top of like a block of ice so they stay cold and they don't move. But you gotta do it. You gotta do it kind of quick before they start waking up. Um, or if your culture grows mold in your dorm room, you take them to your girlfriend's dorm room and do them there. And they and they still die. Yep. <laughs> and then you just find you just find your best friend in the same lab class you're in who happens to have the same genetics as you and. Just twist their numbers and make it work for you and then write your report like you actually did the whole thing. I'm just saying that's one way to do it. I'm not saying – It's a horrible project. I hated every uh, I'm not saying it. that I would cheat in college 
but fuck it, I already got my degree. So, uh, yeah, I hate fruit flies. Long story for I hate fruit flies. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I think we'll we'll have them going forward as far as so. Part of the plan going forward is also paring down an, enough animals and uh, moving out to Charlotte because we're going to be opening a pet store out there. So, congratulations, by the way, on that. Congratulations, awesome. thank you. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I would love. Uh, you guys need to find your way out there eventually. Well, say, that's the, actually closer the to great, us. The great right. thing about that is that's the airport I fly into to visit my parents. So, oh really? Oh yeah, because yeah. you have family in North Carolina. Well, in well, North Carolina and in my parents live right there in Virginia, like two hours away from Charlotte. Because so. I, yeah, I had remembered. I guess you guys drove in that one time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, yeah we'll, so. I'll definitely come by and see the shop. Now, you're it's not gonna is it? It's not gonna be a full on pet shop though, right? No, yeah, I should probably qualify that as far as it's gonna be reptiles, amphibians, and plants. It's so it's gonna be a specialty store with just. That stuff, uh, not any like you know, dog, cat, food or anything like that. Limited amount of supplies, I would imagine. Um, a, a good amount of supplies as far as uh, oh, substrates go, and different, you know, bioactive setups and all of that stuff. So actually, it will probably be mostly supplies. Um, oh, awesome! So the, the the majority of stores I've been going in lately, as far as specialty reptile stores, have been very animal heavy. I mean, we went, we went to this one where it was like 500 animals in the store and it's like, first of all, yeah. Like how do you keep up with that? Plus you're messing with a lot of imports, uh, some really, really amazing species and things I didn't expect to be, see at a pet store. But I think we're going to kind of flip that on its head a little bit as far as we're going to have a few, uh, cool and rare things. And maybe we're going to have to lean on imports eventually, but we're going to really try hard to get mostly captain born and bred species from, you know, good breeders that we've met through our time in the hobby and really leverage, you know, relationships with people like us, right? Hobbyist breeders who have quality animals and uh, really try to have animals that people are going to be successful with and then therefore have enough supplies to make sure that they are successful with it. So, yeah, I mean, it all kind of uh, what we're trying to do is make, a place where we can build a little bit of a reptile community and people who are keeping animals in pets or as pets kind of the to the highest degree that they can and trying to facilitate that as much as possible that's really cool it's cool you need you like a wraparound couch just go in there hang out well yeah we would love to we would love to have like a back classroom to where we can cool. do like different classes and different things going on back there and then have have different programs like I know with uh, Yeah, yeah, right. I just and can't see Joe I can't stuff. see Joe handling kids. I can see Joe doing <laughs> birthday parties, but not field trips. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh I like doing that kind of stuff because I'm kind of used to it through YouTube and I've done a few I've been doing a few schools uh during COVID. So I've been going since there's a lot of virtual classrooms. Um, the school that I went to growing up, uh, I had done a few presentations for them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So kind of getting my feet wet with that stuff besides. And I, I've done a few in-person ones as well. Uh, just you know, small I, things. I happen to know someone who is the club sponsor for the zoology club at her school. And they're they're going to be looking for uh, – 
for people that want to FaceTime or Zoom in and talk about stuff, just throwing that out there. <laughs> we get it. You won't, do, you won't do it, talk to your classroom. Got it. Well, I, I had thought about having Joe come on. And James was like, I don't know how he is with kids. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought you'd be great. <laughs> I think Thank you, Joe. Katie. Has, I think, no, I think Joe has the ability that not a lot of people in the hobby have that he can, he can fake happiness during a presentation, which I can do that. <laughs> And then I can leave and talk about how shitty those kids really were. You are so horrible. I'm not horrible. Small children are horrible. I can't help it. Take that back. Other people's small children are horrible. <laughs> See, I don't mind. I like going. And that's probably like my favorite thing at the shows is, I mean, the majority of people that are coming up to the table, at least my table says it's corn, steak, corn snakes at shows. It's, uh, it's mostly younger kids and families. So I'm kind of accustomed to it. Would I want to do it all day, every day? You know, would I want to be a teacher or something like that? Probably not. But, Me either. Uh, oh, I can handle it. Yeah, right? <laughs> <sighs> You're stuck with it, James. <sighs> yeah, I go back tomorrow. Yay! Our daughter was packing <laughs> her backpack to get it ready for school. And she goes, oh, man, school's back on tomorrow. I was like, yep. I was like, yep have you guys... Have you guys done like staggered at all as far as like three days in, two out, or we, is it just all well, in school? Well, the high schools, we started out that way. We started out A day, B day. So some kids came Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Some came Tuesday, Thursday. And then they swapped up the Fridays with the other kids. And then we went back to everyone's back. And then now, because this is going on again, we're going back to staggered. Uh, we started. That's just junior high and high school. Yeah, my daughter's school's doing the same thing. She's a senior. Like, yeah, elementary schools are just, they get to pick virtual or whatever. So, it's it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's every time I think, oh yeah, we're going to change something up or we're going to figure this out and get it together. Like, the numbers grow and things like that. So, it's just weird. It's a weird world we're in right now. Yes, it is. Hopefully vaccines are coming. Something, That's, something's got to give. So, are you planning your store? Kind of, like, I like uh, the one that Riley just started working out that has like the big open area. It's not just wall to wall animals like some pet stores. It's kind of yeah. like a showroom showroom area there in the middle. Is that kind of yeah. like you're you're open to have show more showy stuff? Yeah, and honestly, you know, we would want it to eventually be just a a really nice showroom for our supplies and stuff that we're going to sell online. Yeah. So we really want to do a good display to the nines of like how you can set up animals. So, so a lot of the animals are going to be in nice display enclosures as well as like the products are going to be displayed in, in a way that it's going to be like a le very legitimate showroom. Um, I just want things to be as neat and put together as possible. There used and, to be a but, reptile store in Tallahassee, Florida. That was just god awful it was one you walked in it was very dark the whole area was dark uh it was wall to wall to wall animals and like deli cups and dirty cages and i mean there were tons of animals. i mean I, he probably had to have over 600 animals in that place just the way that everything was stacked in there and, like several different rooms i'm like god if people walk in and this is what they see then yeah they're gonna hate rep like this is not the way it needs to be presented to people 
Yeah, which is why we really want to have a lot less animal. We don't want to be making money on animals. I mean, that's not really the goal. The goal is honestly to sell the animal and then also with all the supplies that go with it, make some money, but also the animals set up correctly. So make make the money on the supplies because that's the right thing to do. Kind of like you would uh, for say a fish. You know, so you we- might get a you might get a two ninety nine uh, neon tetra, but you probably buy about a hundred dollars of supplies to set it up correctly. Are you uh, going to have like, like more uh, people to take that mentality? Are you going to have like dubias to sell and mealworms and feeder stuff? Oh yeah, I think that's really the main driver to most pet stores is going to be food, whether it's you know whether you have dog stuff or not. I mean that's why you see so many pet stores now that are pretty much like ninety percent dog food. There's almost yep. nothing else, and then uh, all the reptile stores you're pretty much selling mice and crickets. I mean that's the main driver of your business. So that's something that. Uh, not only is it going to be very useful for the people in the area because there's only really one other pet store and then, you know, they're only going to have so many things in stock at one time and there's not very many big breeders in that area of feeders. So getting that supply out there will be really convenient to a lot of people in the area. And then it's also, uh, you know, just one of those things that will pay rent. Uh, at, at the end of the day, that's what you got to do to survive. So yeah. um, I will gladly sell feeders because it helps people out as well as uh, that will probably be, you know, the majority of our business. Yeah, I, I do. I supply racks to a couple of different pet stores and they'll all tell you that they're a feeder store and they also sell other stuff because the feeders are right. what pay the bills. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's really nothing wrong with that. I think I think a lot of no. people get caught up in wanting to do like only what they like. As far as uh, especially you talk to snake breeders, they're like, you know, I want to make a living breeding this particular species of snake and whatever. But I mean, sometimes you have to uh, you have to do things that pay the bills and that don't kind of compromise your moral compass. So it's like, yeah, all snakes and reptiles got to eat. So. Uh, it's a good way well, to like, have steady income while while helping people out. Robert yeah. and I have talked at shows. Uh, if you want to make enough money at a show to cover the show, animals is not going to do it every time. But if right. you sell dry goods or sell equipment, you'll you'll cover your table every time. That's why Dry Goods Guy has twenty tables at every show. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Andy Andy fills up half the place. Yes, but that's not always the most sexy area of the hobby to be in. No. But man, yeah. the number of glass tanks you see walk out of a herp show is insane. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Katie watches jo- them go right by her all day long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Joe was down, lived in Texas for a while. So you know Andy and all that. Is, you've been to the shows. I think yeah. you know Andy. Yeah. Oh, no. I know Andy very well. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he got he quit selling animals at shows because I mean, why sell animals at shows when a bag of leaves will get you ten dollars? Well, he's he's selling <laughs> yeah, a few. Exactly. He's got a few uh, chameleons he a now few that he's animals. gotten into. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll do it. He's he's gotten in and out of it over the years a few times. As yeah. far as he's had colubrids or he has isopods, I know he does those. He'll do sometimes inverts and sometimes amphibians, kind of random stuff. 
Yeah, he's uh, but for, but for du- the most Dubia part, roaches are her thing now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He's. I think no, he said you. he's producing about a million yeah. a month right now. I just bought fifteen hundred from him last week. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a lot. He's got a whole like building for him. Right. Yes. So so weird. Yeah, <laughs> make Blah. make a time, but you can make a ton of money off of Blah. a roach, which is not something you would have thought fifteen years ago. <laughs> That's why I bought fifteen hundred adults. <laughs> And I'm just saying, Joe, if you ever want to sell snake racks and you're, I know they're not fancy, but I know a guy that sells snake racks. I heard. <laughs> and, would, and, and would and would bring them to wherever you're at. I'd already go to Colorado with some to another store. We may need to outfit some, some different things going on there, but we're probably not going to have like racks in the store or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't think you would. That's because he's fancy. Fancy. <laughs> Joe, no, I think Joe, I think a lot of times I think a lot of times uh as of recently the more you know talking to people in the hobby and when I say like you know we're not going to do racks or something like that it's not cuz like we're better than racks it's that we're hitting a different market of individuals right I'm not I'm not oh, yeah. perpetuating snake breeding I'm perpetuating you know snake and amphibian or reptile and amphibian keeping yeah which is like it's like a completely different thing, and the the market for snake breeders maybe thirty thousand people, and the market for you know pet keepers maybe twenty million. So you got to keep yeah. in mind what's what. And I think a lot of time we judge people who are putting out things for the pet for the pet sector and not realizing that there's that separation there. So we're like we kind of judge people unfairly sometimes because. You know, they're maybe a little bit more cutesy, maybe a little bit more uh, – try to make the reptiles a little bit more endearing than what we're used to as, like, snake breeders. It's got to be boozy. We're, we're very, like, binary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have I have fancy little labels on all of my pets in my classroom because that's what they are. And so they're all labeled with their name and their species on cute, colorful cardstock. And, and then I have racks of snakes behind you that have no names. All of their all of their cages are decorated fun. And oh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. And then I, I, I think personally, I feel that, you know, the things that I'm having most fun, it's not only like because I'm opening a pet store. It's because I'm also finding more joy in that style myself. Like I. My morning geckos are some of my favorites that's in my bedroom right here or like the Mm. olive python that's out on display that's also in my bedroom. Like these are the animals that I see all the time and they're set up like pets and like I'm deriving more joy out of, you know, a couple animals on display than my whole room of animals in racks. Not meaning that like, you know, that I'm not enjoying having those other animals, but I'm saying it's a lot more fun doing it this way in my opinion. You know, having maybe less animals and displaying them and doing my best for for every single one. I agree. I, well, I, that's... I have I have some stuff in display and some bioactive stuff. Like I have my subox in displays, and they're a snake that you don't interact with a lot. But in the display now, they've started to come out when I'm in the room and see what's going on, and and uh, I I get to where I enjoy them, like you said, more than I do you know the fifty something other snakes that are in racks because I don't have to just look over to see them and with the other ones, I have to actually go seek them out. Yeah. Subbox are so well, and I cool. I think that yeah, that whole thing is 
for some reason is a division in the mm. hobby where it doesn't have to be a division. But right. Both both can exist and be fine on their own. Like I, I, that's one thing that just always gets me is like when I, when I see posts online, you know, one bash and the other, I'm like, just do what you do. You can both exist. And one isn't more right. I don't think for the, the situation. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of it's situational. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to bash you for having things in racks or anything. You know, I have things in racks. There's also, there's also breeders who it just makes more sense. Unfortunately, you know, until we have, um, and we're starting to see, you know, rack manufacturers say, you know, how can we equip these to say if one day a lizard breeder wants to all have UVB in a type of rack system that's convenient, <laughs> you know, how can we how can we keep to the highest level with the lowest cost? Can we do that somehow? Because at the end of the day, like snake breeders or reptile breeders in general need to compete monetarily, you know, um, $35 corn snakes. I can't be setting those up you know, bioactive and spending $50 on each setup. It just doesn't make much well, look, sense. And, and we're, and we're all hoarders. I mean, to some extent, we're all hoarders. We want to have <laughs> as many as we can and they fit better in racks than they do in cages. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to deprogram out of uh, my brain. I feel just <laughs> like <laughs> calm the fuck down. You don't need every species of this. You don't need every <laughs> single rat snake. And like, yeah. Hush, don't give him ideas. No, <laughs> well, that's why. Good. I, I will have more lizards. You hush. <laughs> but no, you <laughs> having more lizards means I take care of more lizards. That's not that's not what I want. Yeah, we're picking up another rat snake at the show this weekend. I mean, another corn snake. Sorry. Oh, uh, nice. Do you have uh, Do you have a bunch of morphs? I didn't know that you had any corns. We he have, has a palmetto. We have three palmettos. Oh, um. We uh, have, that's when you got it's the best it's gotta be the best like a one out of the three well, right it's just yeah it's just a straight up palmetto we have an aml palmetto and an annery palmetto and then um i don't remember what the other one is he's a aml sunkiss i believe is my son's other one and then russell had a bunch of them that he bought from walter he bought walter's whole table at the last show apparently so he's got some scale no, he bought he bought walter's whole table yeah that's what he said so he, no um, he's got some scaleless stuff and Logan's going to want some scaleless and had some money saved up. So he bought a scaleless from Russell. Jesus. Now, Logan, Robert's son, I would love to sit and listen to he and Joe like hash out stuff. Cause Logan oh, yeah. will talk corn snake genetics for hours and he and is, it's fascinating. He's 10, but you would never guess it listening to him talk about his corn snakes and everything. Like, it's just so awesome. Uh, so he's, like, yeah. really in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, knows the, right. he knows the genetics on corn snakes much better than I do. Well, good. You, y'all can, you can deal with Russell, and he can screw you all over by selling you a bunch of corn snakes you didn't originally want. He's getting a scaleless tessera, het caramel, amel, and hypo male. Ooh. That's really yeah. cool. James yeah. is just mad because two of the corn snakes we have are from Russell, and James <laughs> didn't even want the one that we ended up with. But but I do like mine. <laughs> it's awesome. Josephine it's, loves hers. It's Barbie car pink, even though every picture of it shows up as gray. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think swear. everyone's really quick to uh, judge a corn snake until they have one, and then they're like, yeah, yes. this guy can stay. I love mine. I, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love corn snakes. Oh. I don't like baby corn snakes. I hate baby corn snakes with a passion. But I love one year old corn snakes. 
Oh man, I was uh, Thanksgiving. I needed to take a picture of a bunch of babies, and it's just like I had like three or four in a row that just sometimes they just full out panic, and it's just impossible to take a picture of. And they jump out of the bowl, and they almost get away. And uh, so yeah, sometimes they do drive me absolutely nuts. I forgot he also has a salmon salmon snow female adult that he got from Walter. Oh, that's he right. got it from Russell. Remember. Russell, who bought it from Walter, um, and she's a big she's she's awesome snake. She's gonna make some pretty babies too. I just I really like that palmetto he got last time. Slide yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cool looking it snake. Slide, yeah, yeah, it was that out. was also the same show where uh, I saw the most pointless palmetto uh, morph ever. It was a blizzard. Yeah, what the fuck. It's just a white yeah. snake. <laughs> it was a white palmetto. It's, it's already white. It was a white ball. I'm like, what the hell is the point of this? Yeah, That's someone just uh, taking a shot. Like, maybe this yep. will do something. That's exactly yeah. what yeah. it was. He's like, I just wanted to see what it would do, and it didn't work out. <laughs> it was white. <laughs> Did exactly what you thought it would do. Yep. <laughs> oh, corn snakes. I mean, maybe it I'm wouldn't be bad to do, like... Corn snakes. Is Joe, uh, how far is she away from breeding hers? How old are they? So we actually talked about that the other day. So the one that she bought, he's, he's only about a year yeah. before he's ready. But the one in my classroom, we don't really know what she's got going on. And then we have an annery at home. And that's. Well, so we have an annery who looks like an annery type two, but he's definitely an annery type one. Or I guess A, B, I can't remember. Boas are two and one and corn snakes are A and B. I can never keep it straight. Anyways, he looks like a charcoal, but he's not because I've bred him to my snow and I've gotten snows out of him. So he's obviously also had albino. We bought him as a clusterfuck corn because they're like, we don't really know what's in him. He's just black. So his name is Heinz, like Heinz 57 ketchup because you don't know what all you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. So we have him. And then the other one we have is like hypo something from what I can tell. It's got a very reduced pattern. It's very red. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. So I think we're going to – James doesn't want to, but I think Josephine and I are going to – Because when we go to sell them, we'll time. be like, this is a corn snake. What? What is it? A corn snake. It's just for pet purposes. That's all it's going to be for. It's going to be great. corn snake. It's going to be fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll be pet smart. <laughs> pet smart pet. These are fancy corn snakes. Now, I did, though. I told him the other day I, I, I caught myself unsure of whether or not we should breed them for the simple reason that we don't know what they are genetically. At all. At all. And so I, I really can't tell anyone because one of the snakes was given to us and the other one we bought and we're told when we bought it, we have no clue genetically what this snake is. But, but it's, not good. it's not good when you buy it from a breeder's table and they go, yeah, we don't know what this is. How the fuck do you not know what it is? You this is corn snakes. snakes. That's this is corn, corn snakes, snakes exactly. man. Yeah. And so, <laughs> They're all head for like, everything. Well, well there's, there's things I can pretty much guarantee he's not. Because we mm -hmm. bought him in Daytona in 2005. So there's a lot of things that came after 2005 that he's probably not. But I don't know what he is. I mean, he's Motley Annery for sure, Het Albino. But That's all we know for sure. But I don't know. There, were, there was a part of me that was like, do I really want to breed two snakes where I don't know what I'm going to get and just see what I get? Well, that or part like, sounds or fun. That, or is that going like, like, to like. muddy up the... The water like, yeah, no. There's no such thing as a normal corn snake anymore. But I think we, we even talked about them. like 
you should bring them together and make a classroom project and have you know hatch out the eggs with the kids and stuff like that. See? That's what I wanted to do. Who I'm gives so a afraid shit what the genetics are. Just have I really was afraid that they would get mold in my classroom though. Well, Joe, I mean, they're pictures. You got it. You got it. <laughs> See, this is why I need they're more of Joe in my human. life. <laughs> Joe encourages me to make decisions. Make that bad decisions. Does it like? <laughs> <laughs> the looks that I've, I'm getting. Look, no, look, this I've seen Joe make bad decisions. I have a hard time taking advice from him. <laughs> you, all my decisions work out in the end. See, have a little faith, James. Yeah, I, I was at Tenley <laughs> last year. I've seen Joe make bad decisions <laughs> three times, <laughs> oh. and they were all a lot of fun and worth it. I don't know what. <laughs> See, the only the only thing with with doing it at school with the, the corn snakes and the Just take pictures every day. Well, the one thing would be my, my principal. The only reason I'm able to keep the corn snake in my classroom is because she's a lock on her cage and I'm the only one that has the key. So she's in a locked cage. I don't know how she'd feel if like we had an incubator and baby snake eggs in an incubator. You don't even need an incubator. That. Nope. Just let she's her incubate them. Your desk. No, no. no. So, Corn snakes, they oh. just drop eggs. They don't actually, they don't I didn't actually think like wrap so. it up. That's why I was like, wait a minute. Up. No, you just put yeah, them in a container and I- put them on top or put them in the teacher's lounge on top of the refrigerator. I'm sure everyone would love that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh no big deal. God. <laughs> <clears throat> it's Louisiana. Oh. You, you, it's going to be warm. Don't worry about it. We're going to, we're going to hatch out corn snake eggs. Oh, no, no, he what. says we. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what the principal and James say, it's happening. Oh, I love it. All right, moving on to our question of the week. Let's get away from this whole thing. <laughs> All right, so our question this week was because this week was Thanksgiving. Uh, what is one thing in the hobby that you are most thankful for? I'm thankful for friends like Joe who encourage me to ideas. follow my dreams. This is support. Yeah, your is... dreams end up being more work for me. <laughs> Oh, oh. Okay, so uh, episode so. 60 will not have Joe failing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, <sighs> going back to my question on what people are thankful for in the hobby, uh, I'm going to go through my, uh, most, if not all of them, but there is a very common theme in all of them. And based on everybody that's on this podcast, it is very true. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, here's one that will hit close to, uh, to Robert. Darren Watson is thankful for Morph Market. Yes. Uh, Robert is probably clicking on it right now, seeing what's available. <laughs> no, not right this uh, minute. I'm actually just, <laughs> I, was, I was actually just selling a rack, so that's done now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but now he has money to go to Morph Market. <laughs> well. So, uh, Darren said, I think it has advanced the hobby so much for breeders and customers. The same. I can remember when I stumbled upon it for the first time. I was blown away. I was lo- literally checking it every day like it was the stock market. For someone new to the hobby, it made searching for reptiles so much easier if you are unfamiliar with breeders. And I agree. I definitely think Morph Market has changed the way that people buy and sell reptiles now. Um, because before Morph Market, you had something like King Snake, where you had to have an account. And I mean, King Snake had died. Well, by the time Morph Market came out, King Snake was pretty much dead, even though people still somehow post and sell stuff on there. I don't know who they're selling it to because I don't know who's actually going to kingsnake.com. Um, and then Fauna, which is just like, if, if anybody's ever searched Fauna, it's a clusterfuck. I mean, you'll find yeah. some cool stuff on there. 
but it is a clusterfuck to try to find. Like, you may have seen something yesterday. Good luck on finding it again. Well, and what I like about Morph Market, too, is when you send someone a message, Morph Market reminds them if they don't respond. On Fauna, you'll just send a message, and you'll be like, well, I tried, because you may not ever get a response. <laughs> or you'll yeah, search so everybody, and you're like, oh, have, that post was uh, from 2012. Oh, yeah, I have so many messages in my Fauna inbox that I've never read. Yeah. <laughs> but I also have a bunch of Morph Market, like, price or available question mark where it's like, if I'm a little, if I'm on, a little on edge during that day, I'll be like, I don't want to mess with that person back. Like they yeah. just gave me one word and a question mark. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I also hate the ones that go when they ask price. I'm like, it, it's on, it's literally on there. I had to put it on there before I posted it. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I that get one always all the time. Me. I get the message of, Hey, um, how much for a snake rack? And I'm like, uh, well, which one? <laughs> the one with six tubs. Um, okay, that narrows it down to uh, all of them. Uh, so, yeah, I get, I get the same thing a lot, Joe. And I mean, uh, not complaining about it, but... No. Yeah, that is what it is. I am. Fuck it. Learn to read, people. <laughs> Learn to fucking read. We, that, that is one thing Morph, Mar- Morph Market has made it so easy. As long as the person posting the ad is decent. Like some people, I've seen someone there where I'm like, you shouldn't be allowed to post and sell your animals uh, just because they're not smart enough to figure out that whole process. That also goes to like learning how to take pictures. It's not that hard to get an okay picture. But that sorts itself out. Like we just we just sell animals over those people who can't do those things. So well, I guess cool with someone me. Who, well, there's someone I think was on a Samboa one. They had uh, these like colorful little pebbles. And then they put the Sambo on top of the colorful little pebbles to take the picture. I'm like, I get that you think that picture is pretty, but that is not a very good picture for selling your snake because you can barely see the snake from all the colorful little pebbles you put it on. I'm like, just put it on a plain background and snap a picture with your cell phone because everyone's cell phone now takes pictures just as good as, you know, any camera other than like a $2,000 camera. So that that's small soapbox. I'll get off that one. But yes, I agree with Darren. <laughs> That Morph Market, uh, I am thankful for Morph Market because I sold a shit ton of Samboas this year on Morph Market. Uh, and I've said it before, I was very surprised that people were willing. And you, I'm sure you come across it too, Joe. People are willing to pay shipping on an animal that's not really that expensive. But the shipping is. Well, that's a non-negotiable for me, unfortunately. Like when you're when all your animals are $200 and under, you know, it's important that $55 shipping, I need I need the customer to cover that or else, you know. There's just nothing left for me oh, to I agree. make some money and feed my animals. Well, like I said, I was, I was surprised when I sold $75 Samboas on there. And people were like, well, shipping is going to be $50. Yeah. Okay. And it's COVID. Damn. Okay. People aren't going to shows. You know, certain individuals don't want to go to shows. Um, I'm not vending shows. So, you know, that's the only way for some people to get their animals. Yeah. So I agree with Darren. Thankful for that. Uh, Stephen Livingston says, thankful for field herpers that put in the work to find and establish some of the best locality animals we have in the hobby, which I think is definitely something people overlook. We uh, A lot of people that get into the hobby now, I think, very much overlook where the animals they're keeping came from and how they got to this point. Yep. Most of them don't even know. Yeah, you pr- a lot of people I'm sure that own a ball python can't tell you where it's from. Nope. Or name a country that it's found in. You know, 
Um, it, I think like, we are very spoiled now as far as the hobby goes. Um, just because, I mean, I, I just think about when I first started keeping snakes or my dad was keeping them when I was a kid, you know, ball pythons were the tricky ones to keep. <laughs> you know, the, the, they're getting shipped in by it just it just amazes me how far we've advanced in 20 years. And, and in all honesty, as much as I shit on them, it's because of ball pythons. 100 percent. Um, but now we're starting to see people move away from that and go to some of these weirder, uh, I say weirder, but more outlier species. And that's where we're going to start to see that people are going to, I think, I hope, are going to start learning where their animals come from. And because they're going to take a little more care than a ball python or maybe a corn snake, you know, something that's that we've kind of gotten figured out and it's cookie cutter. But now people are going to start getting some other species that aren't so easy. I think it was at uh, Stafford. I had someone ask me if I knew where Kenyan Sambos came from. <laughs> oh my are you like, I, serious i just looked at this girl i'm like are you serious she said yeah there it's in the name she goes that's a place i was like uh that's <gasps> Christ. no <laughs> yes yes no yeah. can you where indian sandbows oh come from <laughs> right right not okay Oh, shit. There are dumb questions in this world. Oh, I feel I, anybody that has ever said there's no such thing as a dumb question wasn't a teacher. Trust <laughs> me, I hear them all the time. Yeah, and people go, "Well, they just don't know." I'm like, "No, no, no." In 2020, there's a lot of things that I cannot excuse as ignorance. Like, there are certain things you should just know by in 2020 because information is so readily available. Like where Kenyan sandboas come from. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to find some of the other ones that aren't all the same because a lot of the answers were very much the same. I like Miguel's response. I do like Miguel's response. <laughs> he said he's thankful for the Reptile Gumbo podcast. I totally agree. That that podcast is amazing. Uh, Randy's was pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. Rodent breeders. I'm telling you right now. People that buy rodents don't think about how lucky they are to be able to buy rodents. And I agree with Randy 100% because there ain't no way in hell I'd want to do that either. Yeah, I'm no. not going to wear a respirator and clean a thousand ammonia-soaked cages. <laughs> no, thank you. I just paid my daughter's girlfriend to do it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing more than just ASFs? ASS and I have the uh, albino lab rats, which seem yeah. to smell a lot better than your other rats. Uh, I I don't know. They it could you just don't. be me, but it's it seems to be a lot better. Oh, also I use the PDZ product that really keeps the smell down too. You, you don't <clears throat> want to do mice? They smell so great. I've had mice. I've had a couple of tubs of mice, but now I have ten thousand ASFs. It seems like so I don't need the mice for anything. Because I can use the ASFs just like I would use them, the mice for my colubrids and for my hatchling ball your, pythons. Your and bougie, for, your bougie filet mignon and for rodents. People that don't know That's what right. ASF is, what would that be? African softfurs. As a, how is that different? It's they're, a multi-mammate rat. They taste better. Yeah, they're they neither better, a rat apparently. or a mouse, but they have uh, twenty-four up to twenty-four nipples and can have up to twenty-four to thirty babies at a time and nurse them all at once and. uh they can be, they're kind of known for being a little more bitey than rats. My line, thank goodness, is not. I say that and I'll go out there and get bitten. But, uh, but they they're grow more, slower they're than more rats. Mouse, and they're more yeah. mouse-sized than rat size. Yeah. yeah, but an adult ASF 
an ASF will never grow too big to feed a ball python. That's kind of the beauty of them. And they have the same nutritional value, supposedly, as like a medium rat when they're not much bigger than an adult mouse. Well, and again, you can thank the ball pythons for us having ASS in the hobby. Yeah. And that would be a natural prey item for a ball python, right? Correct. Yeah, like we had a female that laid eggs for us about, oh, a month and a half ago, and she has not eaten since. So I finally gave her an ASF. My wife gave her an ASF yesterday, and she ate it. So sometimes it's one of those things we can use to get them eating again, because as we all know, ball pythons love to not eat for no great reason at all. Well, because before before ASFs were common in the hobby, it was gerbils. I always yeah. remember it was, you have a tricky feeder, feed them a gerbil. Yeah. The thing was like, if they eat gerbils, they won't go back to mice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so ASFs kind of filled that role. You had a tricky feeder, feed them ASFs. Yeah. Learn something every day. Uh, I'm looking real quick. Brandon Millichamp's just sucking up to you. Yeah, he says thankful for me. That's that's a true (laughs) fact. I mean, no, no, no. You have to read the whole post. He says he doesn't know what he would do if he didn't have to hear my beautiful voice weekly. And Brandon, just consider yourself like lucky. You get to hear me every week. I mean. Uh, oh, oh goodness! Michael Cotney said uh, Justin Smith's tip on cutting meals. Uh, I I don't do that, but I have heard Justin talk about cutting mice uh, so they digest easier inside of certain things like green trees, which sometimes have issues with digesting food fast enough. Uh, Joe, have you ever had to cut mice? So that actually derives from Connie Hurley, who's a vet. She actually works with corn snakes. She did a study in which she had slit pinkies and she kept track of animals that were fed slit pinkies and animals that weren't and there was much higher absorption rates so for the amount of meals animals were putting on a bunch more size because they were being readily digested so uh, so that's where that derives from uh, is actually corn snakes so it's definitely something that works it's something that i've done in the past but i mean when you have like 200 babies are you going to cut all those pinkies? And then when a baby doesn't eat, just like the baby can readily digest them, that's also going to be readily, you know, uh, breaking down your enclosure overnight. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's a little bit messy. So I, I have in the past, but I'm at a point where I just can't do it at this point. Oh, and anybody listening, these are cutting, I'm assuming, uh, frozen thaws. I, I can't imagine anybody's out there yeah. cutting live monster uh, that'd be horrible <laughs> just at that point if you're doing that it's for fun and not for your snake so yeah go get help now there are those guys the out pre- there <laughs> well. so there were 23 comments and those like three or four were the ones that were not the same the other almost 20 of them were all uh basically they're happy for the people they've met the the community all the friends they've made and uh, and based on this podcast, I agree with that. I mean, I, I would not know either one of you without the community, without all this. I mean, and so I at this point, some of my best friends I have in the entire world are reptile people, not someone I went to school with, not the, but people that I've met just yeah. because this hobby existed. Yeah, definitely. See, that's where we differ. Yeah. You're, no, I'm you're just kidding. Friend. Fuck you, Joe. <laughs> I don't like you anyway. Know he's, he loves me more. That's all that matters. You know, I was no, driving yeah, yesterday. Having the community. 
of like, you know, certain, there's only so many people who do what we do. So yep. it's nice to have a community and then also have the internet and podcasts and all types of social media that has done more than good. We like to kind of complain about all the, the negative sides of say Facebook groups or something like that, but it's done a lot more than uh, done a lot more good than it has bad. I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I drove seven hours yesterday home in the rain. So I had a lot of time to think. And, uh, I was thinking about that, how if tomorrow all of a sudden I wasn't into reptiles anymore, who would I talk to? Yeah, this is, this is my social life. This is 100% my social life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't hang out. Then this is not a knock on anybody I work with, but I don't hang out with people from work. I don't go out to bars to meet people to hang out. I don't like, this is it. I'm, I'm, that's, you know. I'm, I'm with you Go, doing those, all those shows this past month and a half for Herps. Um, I'm so much closer to all those vendors and people than I am to anybody, any other friends I have right now. Um, and so I agree with all these people that said that they're thankful for the people. I'm 100% thankful for the people in the hobby. Um, Cause don't get me wrong. There are a bunch of shitty ones, but there are way more good ones. And, um, and then things like uh, Lance mentioned Carpet Fest. Thankful for Carpet Fest. That's that's one way that I've met people that I wouldn't have met outside of this. Um, reptile shows in general, being able to go and meet people there. I mean, the first time I met Joe in person was at a reptile show. So, yes, I, I find people to be the, the biggest thing I'm thankful for in this hobby. Yeah, it's just kind of taking that first step for people who are listening who haven't. You know, I, and I was at that point for a while when I was keeping, but like I was kind of a little bit too nervous to get involved and stuff like that, which is, you know, just don't act like you know everything and come in and start, uh, go to a show, talk to the vendors and then start vending your own shows. I think that's really when it, uh, especially for you guys, I'm sure, like if you are anywhere near a herp show and even if you're a small breeder or something like that and you get into a herp show and then you can get into the circle of people who like you guys hang out you know, before and after the show and stuff like that. That's like a great way to get into like the social, you know, end of the hobby. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you'll, you'll meet people and talk to people that you never would have outside of the hobby just because your interest or, or the way that you would have normally perceived them would have kept you from ever hanging out with them. Yes. And, yeah, for and sure. the fact that you share this come, yeah, you, you share this common thread brings you together and you realize, okay, we may not see eye to eye on, 90% of shit, but we can still be friends and it works out great. Yep. Yeah. Like for me, it was Sean, you know, I was at the Conroe show in what was that June and I had just started this yeah. business and, you know, I got laid off in March and, and decided to do this full time. And I had, you know, done some sales and it had supported my family for the first couple of months along with my savings and I was at the Conroe show and I pulled Sean off to the side and told him that I was thinking about vending some shows. He's like, he said, there's a show next weekend in Longview. I'm signing you up for it. You need to come and bring some stuff. Even if it's just a truck full, bring it and sell it. Cause I don't have a rack vendor there and you'll do great. And, and you did. I am so thankful that he did that because I don't know if I would have gotten to where I am now, even six months later, if Sean hadn't have said, you're doing this. Yeah, it's. And Robert, how did you first get, how did you first get involved? Like, were you just showing up to shows as a hobbyist? 
Yes, that's exactly how it started. Yeah, I remember you coming to uh, Conroe and saying hi yep. before you were ever selling anything. Yeah, it was about, I guess, two years now. Or coming up on two years, I just started coming to go into shows, and I went to a couple of the other show that we have around here that I don't go to anymore and uh, <laughs> realized that the, that the Herp show was just a million times better than that other thing. And uh, Man, I wonder what that other show was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> and then, you know, we went to, con- we went to um, the Longview show and, of course, went to dinner with everyone and got to meet people and got to know people. And now it's, you know, morphed into, I think I've done 12 shows since then. And I'm doing all 28 next year. So yeah, you're, do- a spon- you're a sponsor. I'm a sponsor. I'm doing this full time, supporting my family. I'm doing better than knock on wood. I'm going to knock on this piece of furniture and everyone can hear it. Um, <laughs> by piece of furniture, I mean, it's a TV tray in my living room, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, showing growth every month and, uh, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a that's a pretty heavy show schedule. So you're looking like twice a month you're going to reptile shows at least? At least. It's but the way it works out, sometimes it's four in a month and then none for a few weeks, or like we just did five back to back to back to back to back. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out because I know I just kind of named a few, but I'm, I want to name a few people that basically have the same answer because it was, you know, Amanda Rua and LaVissa Ratliff, Jeff Ope, Scott Borden, uh, Dushan McCarthy, April, uh, Riley, the all Brandon, all, all of these people said the same thing though. They're, they're, they're thankful for the friends. And like I said, I, I know there may be people out there listening because I very much was like this in college where you feel like you're the, you're the one person that likes the kind of animal you like. And there's not a lot of people around you, especially this, you know, like in snakes and stuff, you get a lot of people, you know, the only good one's a dead one. And that's all you tend to hear. I, I promise there's people out there like you. You just got to go find them. Right. There's and other sh- weirdos show, out there, I promise. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> a show is a great way to do it. If you're anywhere near Carpet Fest, you don't have to own a Carpet Python. You don't even have to like Carpet Pythons. Just go to Carpet Fest if you can make it to one of them. Um, any of that stuff, just go meet people. I don't think uh, I'll ever it, forget it that little girl last weekend, James. You know who I'm talking Which about? Which one? The little girl that told us how her dad told us how she fell in love with Snake oh, because yeah. of Big Discovery and how he yes. wasn't sure about it. But that little girl just made an impression on me. I don't know why, because she was all about it. She drug her dad to that show, talked him into buying her a snake, did lots and lots of research so that she knew what she was getting with her corn snake and all. You know, uh, that, I don't know if that ever would have happened without social media or YouTube. Well, because it's different. Like, so for myself, my, my dad is not a snake person. But when I was a kid, he did own a ball python, which died. We did own a red tail boa, which we got rid of. So he did buy snakes as pets at some point, And then that stuck with me, and I eventually became my thing. Uh, our kids, so Logan and, and, and Joe, as they grow up, grew up with parents that are in the hobby. That little girl is the beginning of the hobby in her family. Which I think yes. is really cool. Yes. And her dad genuinely seemed like he was becoming interested in it as well. He, after they walked around and went and held that big berm and then came back over and talked to me, he was just excited as could be. Like a, a lot more than he was when he first started talking to us. 
So, well, and, and Joe, you sell corns, so you come across. I mean, I, I'm not downplaying corns, but we all know that they're kind of a beginner pet as far as the way the hobby is. So you you've got to see that a lot too. Kids getting their first snake ever. Yeah, yeah, and that's not disparaging at all. I think that that's like that's why I do it is because they're a great beginner pet because I can confidently sell a snake to almost anyone and be able to tell them how to keep it and they can be successful with it. So yeah, I mean, I sell first pets all the time, which is honestly to me, like I know a lot of people don't like the legwork of uh, having to educate people and get all that stuff. And, uh, but I, I enjoy it. And like you said, it's getting new people into the hobby and, you know, a certain amount of those people are going to be in it for life. And then, their family is involved in one way or another, or at the very least, you know, they expose their family to snakes and maybe they don't kill them every time that they see them. So, you know, there's a lot of impacts that we can make by just, you know, going out of our way, trying a little bit and uh, helping the younger people out to keep, you know, a corn snake or a ball python or something that they can handle. I totally agree. Like, like I said, that little girl from, from the show a couple weekends ago, if she, if she gets her first snake, her family is going to be around that. Then her her aunts, her uncles, cousins, whatever, are going to know that she owns that. And it may change a few of their mentalities along the way, like you said, Joe. And that, and that all started with her because Emily put out videos on YouTube. Yep. Uh, we and were I, at that's, our friends that cooked uh, the dinner for us at Thanksgiving. We went to her house to pick it up. She was telling us they had their TV on in their living room. And I walked by and their daughter, who's probably – 10 was watching snake discovery on the TV. And, uh, she said, Oh, she loves it. We watch it four or five episodes, four or five shows a day of it. And of course, then it morphed, went into the talk of maybe one day we'll get something from you guys and get our first snake. And, and I wonder if Emily realizes how many people, I mean, if she's bound to, she has two and a half million followers. Oh, how many people she's in. I've seen her walk right around. I've seen her walk around at a reptile expo. She definitely knows how many people she influences. <laughs> Do we lose you, Joe? You still there? His it went dark oh, on no. us. I know. I know. I was thinking that. Nope. There oh, you go. I see him moving. Okay. So, that's ah, creepy. Like a ghost face. I know. <laughs> I don't know what he's showing us now. I don't want to do this anymore. Face. Turning it off. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that was that was all those. Like I said. A lot of it was the same comment over and over again. It was the friends. And so I, I and, and I will say some things that aren't on there that I'm thankful for. And I, and I kind of mentioned it and as much as I bullshit them. I am thankful for what ball pythons have done for the hobby. I've mentioned that before. I think that's, that's huge. And, and, and I think had it not been ball pythons, it'd have been something else. I think ball pythons just were the easiest. You know, I think leopard geckos probably would have been it. But you're so, good, you're so good at giving a compliment with a butt at the end. <laughs> He's such <laughs> an ass, isn't he? That, that, that was not a ball pythons aren't important. I'm just saying, I think in the hobby, something would have filled that niche. I think we were on that trajectory as a yeah. hobby. Uh, ball pythons just kind of fast forwarded that whole process. Yeah, I don't disagree um, with you at all. You know, you wouldn't be making racks had it not been for ball pythons. No. Nobody would have. I mean, that became, that's the thing. Yeah. That became the thing, you know. Uh, like the, one person said, they were thankful for rodent breeders. They wouldn't exist without ball pythons, just because the sheer number of rodents produced just to feed ball pythons in this country keeps those places in business. You know, so 
but uh yeah so that was things that we're thankful for i'm uh i other things on there i'm thankful for like herpstat i really love my thermostat (laughs) (laughs) every time i walk into my room and i see them and i only think this because lately i've seen several posts where people are like what thermostat do you do you recommend and like the next seven responses are herpstat 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 um and then every now and then like the 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 cheap versions on Amazon that are not comparable to Herbstat, but no. are. So I yeah. have found, I have found Herbstats to be the best, most reliable, but the second best I have found to be the cheap ones that just work. That just always there are, keep yeah, there are, going. There are plenty of cheap ones that will do, that will control the temperature of your cage or heat mat or whatever. They just don't have all the bells and whistles and won't do right. as much. As the herb set, but like, and I keep it, corn snakes, so I don't mind two to three degree fluctuations. Right. Yeah. Was it Inkbird? Ink one of them. One right. of the and Jumpstart, I think, is another one. I won. The, I, the, I, I won one of the Inkbird Wi-Fi ones on a Facebook contest, and I'm pretty happy with it so far. The thing seems to be working really well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I I actually I posted a question in a couple of tortoise groups this week uh, because I got one of those like pig heat mats for the ground for the tortoises to lay on. Brace yourself for the soapbox. It's not a soapbox. It's just people are stupid. Uh, <laughs> I asked how people attached their probes to thermostats to that because I have it on a like a rheostat dial right now, but I would like to be able to put it on a thermostat and control it a little better. When I tell you that I, I heard about this for a good solid two hours it was the other shit day, I hear about it for two hours. Two hours. I'm not saying you overreact, but you may overreact. Two hours. There were just some because well, that's because later on someone else made a stupid response. There were several responses. One person was like, uh, "Oh, I just hang it from the I hang the temperature probe from the side of the enclosure." I'm like, "But that that doesn't control the heat mat." Like, and, and she's trying to explain how it does. I'm like, "It do, it doesn't work that way." And she's like, "It do, it works." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she and she kept trying to say, it. "I'm like, all right." you obviously don't understand the situation. And then she was like, well, that was unnecessary. I'm like, what do you mean it's <laughs> unnecessary? I, I, you just told me I could control a heat mat. It sounds like every post and every reptile group yeah. on every Facebook page. I know. I just, oh. My personal favorite was the person who said that they hang their heat mat on the wall. Oh, yeah. They put their heat mat on the side of the wall for their tortoises. Like, they're can- like anybody that's never seen these, like, they're, they're, pig, they're pig heat mats. They're mm-hmm. made by Kane and mm-hmm. another company. And they're made for the animal to lay directly onto. And this person's like stuck it up on the side of the wall. I'm like, it's not a radiant heat panel. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's meant for contact, but you can't tell them that because what the fuck do I know? Cause you're I think, I think Kenan uses them. I thought he used them as far as putting in like, you know, those big storage containers, he would make like a hide. And I thought he would put it on top as like a radiant heat panel. But that would make sense, though, if it was on top of something like coming down. Well, no, but it's enclosed. If it's a smaller right. container, enclosed. But like, not for your. Bunker. I've got a barn. Well, yeah. it's a. I call it a bunker. I mean, it's it's a eight foot by four foot by like four foot bunker. If I put it on the top, none of that heat is ever seeing my tortoises. If I put it on the wall, like when it's because it's about to be thirty degrees. I know anybody listening up north, it's like thirty degrees isn't much, but. In Louisiana, it's 25. The low tomorrow night Jesus is 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25. If, if I were to put that thing on the side, they're not going to be able to get that heat. That's just going to be wasted heat that's not actually going to spread. Because it's not like the oil-filled heater in there that radiates heat. So, Do anyways. Have, will that be exposed to the elements? No, it's all covered. 
What's you wouldn't want to try like a heat projector or anything like that? Well, I've got so I've got three things in there right now. I've got a radiant uh, filled uh, radiant an oil filled radiator style heater on a thermostat. That is enclosed that they cannot touch. Yeah, that actually has uh, cinder blocks around it, so they can't actually knock it out of the way or hit it, and so that's secured in a corner, and that heats it pretty well, except for like when it's about to get twenty five degrees. Then I went out and bought like a radiant panel for like chickens and put that on the opposite side to try and heat that side of the thing. And then I have this heat mat on the ground that they can also lay on top of, um, which should like my, my, I can usually keep it in the seventies. So far I've been able to keep this bunker in the seventies. Once I kind of put the wood in front of the door so they can't get out and, and it's insulated pretty well, but uh, we're going to find out this week how, how warm it stays. But I wanted them to be able to get onto that heat mat. Cause it's like a three foot by two foot heat mat. So they can really warm their bodies up. Cause you know, as people are starting to put like corn steaks and stuff through brumation in the winter, uh, anybody that doesn't own a sulcata, you can't brumate a sulcata. They don't, they don't hibernate. So you have to keep them warm and they have to keep functioning. It's not like our desert tortoises that we have in the United States that go through a whole brumation and all. Sulcatas don't do that. Um, also, we're coming up on the months where people start posting their stupid ass videos of letting their sulcata walk around in the snow. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening, your fucking tortoise does not enjoy its walks in the snow. I don't care how much you think it does. It just doesn't. No, no tortoise goes, you know what would be great? Walking on this 10 degree ground. It'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was, I, I bet that the post bothered me this week. I was like, I'm trying to explain something. And long story short, I cannot figure out a very good way to put the temperature probe on a heat mat without my tortoises just destroying the ever-loving crap out of it. Because that's what tortoises do. Yeah. So it's on a rheostat, just dialed down low, and it gets about oh ninety-eight degrees on top of it, which is not enough to burn them, and they can get off of it and walk to the other side of the barn if they feel the need. So anybody out there again that says they want to own tortoises, this is the shit you have to go through. And you're in the south. I mean, I know it's easier for you than yeah. most. Yeah, I only have to do this for like three months, whereas like someone up there would have to do it for half the year. Because really, with sulcatas, like once it drops below fifty, you kind of got to lock them in and provide heat. So, and then you got that picture of the sulcata going through your drywall. Then that's in your home. <laughs> like every time I see someone post that, or I see people that put fucking diapers on their sulcata and let it walk around the house, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? How how can that seem okay? My be- my favorite one is that person that put it in their bathroom and it knocked the toilet off of the, uh, the foundation. They obviously don't have a significant other that would be horribly against that. No, yeah, but they end up having these tortoises and they think they're babies. And like, it's not a baby, it's a tortoise. It It's also not a dog. It doesn't listen to stop, no, stay. Well, I'll say it again, so. just like the girl at Beaumont that was trying to kiss her baby boa. And I was like, that's going to bite her in the face. And it did. <laughs> she's the she's the type that would put a diaper on a sulcata. Oh, uh, so I did make a post this week because I, I was trying to find some good reptile related videos, and there were a handful that were put out. But I want to see what other people were watching. Um, and so I was going to go through some of those. It's funny; a lot of them are um, field herping videos, which I've never been a huge field herping video watching kind of person. Dude, um, I could watch those for hours. But- I don't know. I just I I could go field herping for hours. It's it's hard for me to watch it, but I can watch fishing videos. So it's weird. I don't know. But uh, 
there was there was the one put out by Dave on his Animal Adventures on Dave Hoffman's Animal Adventures channel about uh, the friendliest bobcat. I don't know if you saw that one. He put out one of the, he went and visited in Florida. The, there was a bobcat at a sanctuary, or whatever, which is super friendly, like friendlier than most house cats. Um, but it's one of those things where it's super misleading because, like, and they say it over and over in the video to to try and get the point across. But if someone just watches that and goes, "Oh, that's awesome! I want one of those." Ninety nine point nine percent of bobcats are not like this one. No. So, like, although it was cool to watch them pet it and love on it, I've worked with bobcats, and they're not the friendliest cats. So, but it was a cool video to see someone be able to get that close to it. Uh, to, to, oh, <laughs> this was funny. This one was put out. This person put Tyler Nolan, but it was not Tyler Nolan. It was Tyler Carlson, I think. Oh, uh, good. Snakes and trails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Uh, <laughs> snakes and trails. He was in uh, West Texas looking for snakes, and the title of it is "Catching Farting Hooknose Snakes in West Texas." Yep. And uh, and it was a fart. The hooknose snake did fart. It was uh, quite gross. It was very wet sounding. Um, and they do it over and over cool and over when you them up. That's horrible. <laughs> is that them just releasing their bowels and getting their musk out there, or what is it? No, exactly they don't mean? even musk you. They just fart on you. Really? And, and they That's like fun. they like go spastic, and their whole body just starts thrashing around, and it's like a sounds like a human fart. <laughs> 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 yeah, the wonders of evolution, guys. Yeah. right oh there. Gosh. Uh, in that video, it was pretty cool. He found that. He found a Western Diamondback. He found uh, a Transpecos Rat Snake. He found My favorite. A, I think it was a, glo- a glossy snake. Yeah. I think that's what one of them was. Glossy snakes. Uh, he ran into some, well, he ran into some people that also found um, gray bands. So there were some gray bands in that video. But it was over on the Snakes and Trails channel. We call them alternative terms. No, they're gray bands. We're good. I'm not. I, I don't do scientific names. I know. So, great mans. They're overpriced snakes that were found next to this certain rock in this part of the desert next to this cactus. Hey, they're still like $150. I don't yeah, think they're, they're not bad. Food. I just, it's locales, locale thing kills me with those guys. Also, in that video, I got to see, I've always heard that you had to, but I've never just like saw anybody in a, in a picture. But you have to wear like an orange vest when you're herping out there. Like a mm-hmm. reflective vest. It's, so that's and I think throughout you have the to, like, state of Texas. If you're you also have to buy a hunting license. license. Yeah, it's a law, hunting license. Which is when I come for spring break, we're going herping. Because if I'm buying a hunting license to shoot a pig, I'm going to find snakes also. Yep. You have to buy the hunting license and you have to buy the ramp, reptile and amphibian endorsement for it. Man, I thought Louisiana was bad about screwing you out of money. Oh, no. Texas is the king. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was one, I'm going to open this up so I can figure out, remember what, uh, channel it was. It was Australian, which is kind of cool. Ah, the channel is Ricky Mac, which I'd never heard of, but he's Australian. And in this video, he finds green trees, which was really cool. He found several green trees in that nighttime, like hunting position with their heads down, waiting for something to run by, which is really, because a lot of those, when he found them, they weren't 20 feet up in a tree. They were, you know, two feet off the ground. And uh, he found a baby scrub python, and then he also found a water python, which was kind of cool. But, I mean, he's Australia, so he's going to find these things. But it was just kind of cool to see those. So is he in Queensland, or did it say? Uh, I don't know where he was. Um, 
but it's I mean he's he's definitely Australian. You can tell when he talks. And then he was definitely in Australia just based off everything he found. Um but the amazing part was so he picks up the green tree off the branch, it doesn't bite him. Uh he picks up the baby scrub python, it doesn't bite him. He picks up the water python, it doesn't bite him. I'm like, what the fuck do we do to all these things in captivity? <laughs> Well, like, half he's of them been we imported the from from Papua or Indo, so yeah. that's the that's part of it for sure. Yeah, you I've got heard the wrong ones. I've heard the uh, king horn eye and the, the scrub pythons that are in Australia are the wild ones are actually more common than even the ones in captivity in Australia. <laughs> that's crazy. Who knows? You know, maybe they just find them uh, a little bit colder. Yeah. And then uh, one video was uh, shared by it was uh, Herbs Culture Magazine highlights, which is a new video segment that Justin is putting out. He said he's gonna start doing it uh, once or twice a month for each issue, where he'll do basically a little highlight of something that's in the in the magazine. For anybody that doesn't know, Herpetological Magazine, look it up. It's a free online magazine that uh, our buddy Justin does with a couple of Billies and uh, helps out with that. Um, it's a great magazine. It's done very, very well. And this, this little video was with uh, Nipper Reed on Herald Snakes, which is a weird little, like, kind of venomous snake. Uh, that's a cool little video. I didn't actually watch uh, this. I didn't watch Emily's video this week, which was giving our reptiles a Thanksgiving feast. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't watch that. But the, the thumbnail shows them feeding turkey to their snakes. So... There is that. And I know people, I don't know, probably like a bull snake or something like that. I mean, that would be pretty, pretty good meal for. I know, I know uh, Austin Warwick does it for his popwood pythons, and then he's thrown them in also to some of his uh, carpets and colubrids and stuff like that. So, Uncooked, obviously, anybody out there think yeah. like <laughs> basting and cooking this with mashed potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> I have a friend who I watched him feed one of his uh, Kribos an entire chicken leg, and it ate it like nothing. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, or like tilapia because like Riley feeds his tilapia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one we actually talked about last week. Person shared, but it was the uh, day video where he went out to California and he went to the reptile shop out there, which made me think about we were having Joe on today, which is kind of funny. It was how to start a reptile shop, and Joe is going through the process of how to start a reptile shop. Yeah, so, I don't know how you, to do it, but I'm trying. When are you guys looking at opening, <laughs> Joe? Like roughly spring, hopefully. Spring. Do you have a name yeah. yet? Yes. He's keeping that to himself. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured when he I just said it. yes and didn't follow it up with the name that he wasn't releasing that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got my copy of, uh, of Dave's new book, James. I'll wait for the movie. Yeah. Oh, you hush. You're going to buy me that for Christmas and it's going to be great. Oh, I'll buy it. So it'll go on my bookshelf. I just can't promise I'll read it. it. Yeah. Well, it's like the Lizard King. I never read that. It was awesome. You read it and told me about it. So we're good. (laughs) I just don't, I don't have the patience for reading a book. I know people out there that are going to say that sounds bad and I don't give two shits if you don't like it, but I, I just can't do it. I can't sit and read a book as much as I'd be like, I'm sure Dave's book is amazing. Uh, I just can't do it. After watching, after watching the little teaser that he put out in one of his YouTube videos 
about I forget where he was. Maybe it was around New Caledonia or something. And he was talking about on a beach where he thought he was going to die. And I was like, you were pirates. Yeah, I don't know the whole background. Maybe you guys know more. It was uh, it was something with turtles, and they were coming to try to get the eggs, and they were trying to protect the eggs, and then they were like pinned down in the research facility. Like it was, I remember hearing the story. It was a crazy story. It's in which South I'm sure Africa. is all in that book. It's in South Africa, and it was the Olive Ridley Sea Turtles on their beach. The one, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Costa Rica. I'm sorry. The, yeah. The hero of the book is a South African-born person who lives in Costa Rica. So that's what happens when you read the book. You actually know what happened. Yeah, I'm just reading the back cover right now to get all those all those facts. Asshole. <laughs> yeah, it, it basically it looked very good. I would like to read it. I just haven't gotten my hands on it yet. I will get it. I will definitely get it. And then Katie will tell me all about it. <laughs> Pretty much. That, that's the story of our life. And then uh, another video, Lance posted this one for us to watch, which I wanted to watch anyways because it was Clint's Reptiles. And it was Gila Monsters, the best pet lizard question mark. Um, I want a Gila monster so bad, so I watched that video, and that video did not change my mind. I still want a Gila monster. Crested gecko, Gila monster. What's the best first pet? Who knows? He didn't say first pet. <laughs> said best pet lizard. And for me, it would be a Gila monster over a crested gecko. Honestly, <laughs> I just want a skull of one. I would like that. That's, well, that's the coolest thing. Is like their skull looks like the outside. Like it's the same. That's the crazy thing about them. Like, their bumpy head is because they have a bumpy skull. Right, which but, is like, come on. It's, that's so cool. You know, yeah, there is the there is the whole, they're venomous, and, but I mean, just don't get bit, and you'll be fine. You should put that on a, a t-shirt. Just a picture of several venomous snakes, and the Gila monster says, just don't get bit, and you'll be fine. Ah, just don't get bit. Whatever, <laughs> but I still won't. I still want one, and I think I will have one. They're, they're they're not cheap, and then you also have to get a permit if you're in states about venomous because they are venomous. They count as venomous. So, have but you I don't, have I you honest, ever held one? Uh yes. Yeah, there's a there's a vendor at the Herp shows that has one. Yeah, it kind of sketched me out to be honest. I was like, I mean, that's uh, creepy. I was like, am I free handling something right now? I'm not sure. Well, it's. I don't think it's any more. I don't think it's really considered any more free handling than if you were holding a false water cobra or a hog nose. I think the only difference is when they bite you, their jaws are going to fuck up your hand. Like the venom is going to be bad, but it's a neurotoxic venom, so it's not going to rot flesh. And there's no, uh, no recorded deaths from a Gila monster bite. So. I would probably chalk them up there as like when you're holding a rear fang, what we tend to not think of as super venomous. My my friend Hayden but, got I mean, bitten not- by one of hers about a year ago, and her hand looked like she had a baseball glove on for probably a week, and all the skin kind of I don't know how to explain it. It was like uh, when your hand when you when you're in the swimming pool for a long time and you get like the the wrinkly fingers. Her yeah. her hand looked like that, and of course it was extremely painful. And then the skin kind of sloughed off, and then it was better. See, and, <laughs> no big and, deal. But see, yeah. but see, I compare that to a hog nose bite because that chicken Conroy that got bit, mm-hmm. that's very much what happened to her from getting bit by a hog nose. She did spend a couple Whole days in the hospital also. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Did, did she have to go to the hospital because she def- needed medical attention or they wanted to keep an eye on her? It was when – it was. I don't think she went to the hospital immediately. It was when the hand started getting extremely painful and, and she wasn't sure that it was something she could handle at home. Gotcha. Because they're obviously yeah, – I, mean, I, I don't think there's any anti-venom for it, so. There is none. No. Yeah. Like I said, it's like that woman that got bit by the hog nose and her whole arm and hand swole up and had those boils that mm-hmm. busted open and I mean, that shit was gross. So with all that said, none of, none of that makes me go, ooh, you know what? I shouldn't get one. So I still want one. We'll see. That means we're getting one. Okay, cool. <laughs> that does not mean you're getting one. Doesn't mean I'm not not getting one. All right. Uh, another one, Brandon Milchheim, and, and I've seen this posted on a couple other things, and, and I watched the YouTube video, and um, I guess I watched it with a, a I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But it was uh, ball pythons are semi-arboreal, and it was put out by uh, Reptiles and Research. And I feel like the video is very much him trying to say ball pythons are arboreal, more than being semi-arboreal, because he very much is argumentative against against the whole they live in the ground and termite mounds um i'm not saying ball pythons don't climb trees i'm not saying ball pythons won't eat things in trees i'm just saying that i'm not going to go around calling them an arboreal snake no just the same way that i've seen copperheads climb trees and eat bugs but i'm not going to go around saying copperheads are arboreal snakes yeah when i go looking for copperheads i'm not usually looking up although you should well, it does happen. I do, but not normally. <laughs> so I, I felt like this video was very much an attack on. It wasn't so much a video to try and show scientific evidence of, and there were there were articles in there mentioned about where they've, they've looked at the gut and of uh, and the feces and all this of, of ball pythons, and they have found many bats, birds, arboreal mammals. Uh, in ball pythons. So I know they're eating them. But I'm not saying they're not eating them. And, and and I'm not saying that they're only eating them when they come to the ground. I'm sure they went up there and got them. I think what's but, important is to realize the fact that there's peer-reviewed studies out there that show that they're semi-arboreal. And then in the hobby, uh, ball python breeders in particular are very aggressive about saying they live in termite mounds. They don't move around this. I think if we weren't so adamant about them tubs being the perfect thing for them which i mean they do very well and then it wouldn't be as big of a deal but you have people who are kind of talking out of their ass when there's peer-reviewed yes. science that they are semi-arboreal so it's like you and need I, to accept that and then also be like but in this situation this is how this works and blah 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 don't be like that person's a fucking idiot because they're not because there's actual studies that show this so it's kind of hard well, I agree, and, and the, the problem was the way he talks in the video and the way he talks about it comes off very anti-tubs, and that's how the whole the video kind of flowed to me. It was very much a, you should not use tubs. You should give these these big, like what, what you're doing for all your snakes. I'm not saying people should not build a big cage with branches and stuff for their ball python to climb in. If that's how you want to keep your ball python, more power to you and do it. They will climb because they're a snake. And almost all snakes will climb. Maybe not blood pythons. Those guys are big, big, fat slugs. But everybody else will climb at some point. But the video just read to me not so much as I'm trying to deliver this information and this data as much as it was a I'm going to bash 
people that keep their snakes in tubs. I just think that like, there's I think that there's 20 videos to that video of saying the opposite. If you go to all the big ball python breeders on YouTube, I think that they're that that's the only thing I'm saying. And, and like I said, I'm never there's a art there's a part in the Kenyan Sambo book um that talks about also arboreal, uh, of course. They they, they, they talk about Kenyan Samboas. Guys, <laughs> uh, they're walking and they hear a thud. They turn around and it appears this Kenyan Samboa is holding onto a bird. It fell out of the tree. It got this bird, fell out of the tree, hit the ground. So, yes, as much as my Kenyan Samboas fucking suck at climbing shit, obviously at some point in the wild, that they will climb stuff for food. The snakes will do a lot of crazy stuff for food. I've seen a three-foot rat snake kill a full-grown chicken that it could not swallow yes. because it wanted food. Yep. So they will climb, but I'm just saying they will also do really well. And they and they talk about in the article, the 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 diet was much different between male and female ball pythons. Uh, they found far more arboreal diet in males, which makes sense. They're smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and far more uh, ground-dwelling animals in the females, which makes sense. They're larger-bodied animals. And they tend to stay on the ground more often. So I, I feel like that that fact right there proves both sides of the argument and that there shouldn't be an argument that there's a middle ground. That, yes, you can put them in a cage with a bunch of branches and that'd be awesome. But this person over here keeping them in a rack, it also works. And then it also be- the person who's keeping them in the rack is breeding and then therefore selling the animals – in which the animals that are sold can go into those setups as pets or go yeah. to other breeders. or There's just kind of like uh, – there's reasons for everything, what we do, and there's different uses well, for, for things. Well, it's like you talked about the store you're opening up. You want to aim very much at the kind of bioactive, full setup, larger, keeping as a pet kind of cage, kind of setups and all that for animals, whereas breeders are going to keep it on like in racks and keep it in a much easier, more sterile – it's a two different situations. They can both exist in the world and not have to disagree with each other. And I feel like breeders are maybe a little bit too fast to try to make other breeders out of their customers instead of like saying, you know, this is one snake. This is how you keep it. I think a lot of times we sell to people who are looking to breed and then therefore, you know, we have them set up things like we do, which is, you know, a big part of the hobby. I agree. I, now, when I sell, I can say when I sell sand boas, I don't go keep them in a very, I don't say keep them in a tub and keep them in this. Um, my care sheet that I hand out with them tells you everything. She actually has a picture of a tank and setting them up that way. Uh, because I'm selling, because if I'm selling a sand boa, I'm usually selling it to somebody who's buying a pet. And, and very much for your corn snakes, a lot of your corn snakes, you're very much selling it to someone who's buying a pet. And, and in that same thing, even if you're selling it to someone who's buying it as a breeder, if they have the space and the time and, and all that and they want to, they can set it up in a big planted cage and everything as well. So, I mean, I, like I said, there's so many different ways you can come at the situation. Uh, I don't feel like either side is truthfully wrong. I just feel like maybe the way they're delivering their point may be wrong. Yeah, I don't think but. we've ever been really that – it's tricky online with youtube and stuff and with how tribal like the our ideas are in the reptile community right there's so many different clicks and different things which uh is part of the thing that makes it, i guess difficult to navigate which is why kind of we talk about some of the negative things in the hobby is just because it seems as though there are 
groups of anti-rack people or pro-bioactive anti-rack or pro-rack anti, you know, people attacking racks and stuff like that. It's just uh, oh, I, I get well, messages I a lot of times- every once in a while. I get a message from someone telling me that uh, I'm promoting uh, animal abuse because I build racks. I just ignore them. Are you serious? Oh yeah, at least once a month. Like that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, one was but a guy I mean, who lived in the same neighborhood as me, and I invited him to come speak with me about it face to face, so he did not take me up on that invitation. But other than that, I usually just ignore them. I mean, that's probably a good policy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, you know, people people are gonna find an issue with anything. I mean. People find issues with leashes that you use for your dog, too. Yep. Like, oh, you shouldn't use that type of a collar, or you shouldn't use that type of a leader. Oh, yeah, leader, retra- retractable or... leashes. You always get the retractable leashes are horrible, and I'm like, I, so maybe? I, I don't I don't know. I, and so I could only imagine with lizards and reptiles and amphibians that it's going to be ten times worse than it would be well, with it, a dog it, or a cat. It, it gets worse, I think, because one side does it one way. The other side comes along does it their way. The new side thinks theirs is better, and it becomes a, a selling point. I've got to sell people on my side is better than the other side. And then it becomes a back and forth argument at that point. So like bioactive folks love bioactive. It's great. They set it up. It works amazing. And then a breeder gets treated bad because they don't do that. And the breeder starts to bad mouth bioactive. But like you said, it doesn't work in their situation. So there's no reason to bad mouth. It just doesn't work in your situation. Just because someone else likes it doesn't mean you have to argue against it. Correct. And that goes for things not just with reptiles and amphibians. That's like good. Yeah, life and, and we can all agree ball pythons suck. So I mean, <laughs> boy, shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, James. Anyways, that was that was all my videos I got. Whoop whoop! I got fussed at the other day for what? Because I was watching a YouTube video on a guy detailing the inside of a car instead of watching reptile videos. Instead of watching reptile videos, because no one gives two shits about watching the guy clean a car. I was interested. The, no, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. It, he wasn't. He was explaining different ways to clean your car. He wasn't showing some new thing. He was just cleaning a fucking car. Well, the question is, did she go clean the car after that, James? No, her car is so dirty. Because we had Nutcracker all the And then I hung out with my kid today, and we had the best day we've had in a long time together. And it was so awesome. So on Katie's downtime, what she does for fun is watch somebody clean a car. (laughs) It was very satisfying to see something so filthy be so clean (laughs) in the short amount of time that he fast-forwarded through the video. Wow. Because I can't clean my house or, because they're fixing a redo. Or you could have watched any of the numerous reptile videos that are online so that you had a point of view when we had the podcast. But no. No. <laughs> cleaning, a, cleaning a car video was much more important. Look, I'm probably going to be cleaning the car tomorrow when they're grinding Good. the concrete. You watched a video course. on how to do it. Dude, I spent, uh, I spent hours on the lead up uh, YouTube videos about like Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson boxing match yesterday. So I have <laughs> no, I have nowhere to talk here. I watched, I watched the clip of the knockout. Yeah. And then I, I saw the very like last 10 seconds of the, the Tyson fight. I didn't see the actual Tyson fight, but I did see that it ended in a draw, which I know is bullshit just based off everybody I've heard. Yeah. Uh, the draw was pretty much just so they couldn't have to name a winner. Yeah. Tyson yeah, but it was, it was nice to see. 
Yeah, it was nice to see 50-year-old men get in there and it not be sad. Like, it wasn't yeah. sad. It was pretty fun to watch. That's what I heard. I heard that the, the, the Tyson fight was actually pretty good. And Tyson won, for sure. Absolutely. That's what I also, I also heard. But I think it's a good was, sportsmanship type of thing. In the way, it was an exhibition, and you know they put on a good fight, and it was good. I enjoyed it. I was actually surprised that Tyson didn't kill him, which tells me that Tyson has gotten something going on better in his brain than when he was younger. Because I'm telling you, I really thought once the bell rang, he was going to forget that it was an exhibition, and he was going to kill Roy Jones Jr. But Roy Jones Jr. is not man. Nah. I know, but Tyson is still a scary dude. Even at 54, I don't get shit. At 94, he's still going to be a scary dude. Yeah. And and power goes far after speed. So Roy Jones is more of a defensive fighter. He kind of relies a bit on his wits and speed, which yeah. the more you get older, the more that degrades. But your power actually yeah, goes has, last. So he was Tyson he was has killing. old man strength, which is scary. Yeah. He has old man strength of a right. guy that had superhuman young man strength. <laughs> well, I guess for the next two days while they're doing our floors and I'm stuck at the house. You can watch reptile videos. I can watch reptile videos on YouTube. So next week, I expect good commentary out of you. Can we all just go on record that he wants me to talk more next week? Because that's what I just heard him no, say. No, I want you to talk more about reptile stuff. I just heard him say he think, wants me to talk more. I think this week, Katie, <laughs> Katie needs to post our video of the week. <laughs> I don't like that kind of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I vote yes, James. Uh, you vote yes. That's two to one. Uh, we win. Yeah. All right. Fine. Oh, man. You lost. <laughs> it won't get posted on Tuesday because Tuesday night I'm going to be cleaning our house literally from the ceiling to the floor. So from the windows to the no, wall? To stop the wall. It. That is the third time this week somebody has referenced that song that I know. Which is crazy because that song is forever old when you really think about it. And it was okay. The but that line, everyone knows that line. The choreographer with Nutcracker made a comment and she said, from the windows. And the moms of the dancers <laughs> finished the lyric for Man, her. tells you about those moms. None of the dancers had any clue well, what she You're talking about kids that are like 16 and under. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's they good. They no clue that song existed. Yeah. It was they either very funny. They either didn't know the song or they never watched Chris Rock stand up. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. That is all I've got for this week. Me too. My yeah. computer's about to go dead. So that works out. I will. I will I edit this from a hotel room tomorrow night because we're not going to be at our house. Nope. So thank you, Joe. Joe if, well, if people want to get a hold of you, Joe, because you've got a lot going on now, I didn't even talk about like, you know, isopods or, or any of the other stuff you actually sell or any of that stuff. Where can they find all that stuff? So portcitypet.com, Port City Pet on Instagram, Port City Pythons podcast, YouTube, all that good stuff. Have some corn stinks available. Other than that, from the ground up podcast as well, and uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me again. Thanks for coming. We we now have a, well, a little less than twenty episodes to have you on again. So yeah, and I hope uh, I hope Katie will last. Um, you know, I think she's doing okay. Um, <laughs> seems as though you're a little. I mean, he's kind of stuck with me. So. <laughs> you I just, will say you better get that video gonna... of the week though. This is going to sound horrible. I've actually tried to get out of like two episodes already because I've had so much crap going on at the house. And James is like, no. Yeah, I need you to understand 
for to, for all the reptile podcasts let's do uh, mpr the fact that those two guys have been able to do this for what nine years now straight <laughs> is amazing because i don't think people understand how hard it is to get people together once a week to talk about reptiles it seems like it would be very easy but oh at that point tricky. that's a marriage you know nine yeah. years like they every <laughs> single week i mean like you have to maintain that relationship with one person you know every way it's impressive yeah, I've, I've gotten up and and gone and done laundry a couple times because we were behind on laundry or i have fed our child or those are not important things this podcast comes uh, first I mean, <laughs> having clean underwear and a, a child that's been fed are a little important well, hopefully you and Robert can make it to episode 60. If not, at least the one consistent thing in this podcast will end up being Joe. Well, I want to say that by episode 60, I – let's what, three months? I don't know. I'm not doing 20 math. more episodes? It's Sunday. Why am I going to do math on Sunday? 20 weeks is – We're trying to do math right now. You're confusing yourself. Four, eight, Y'all can see she's 12, having a – she is having an aneurysm right now. Her whole face is doing math, and it's not working. So anyways, by the time we have Joe back on, it should be time for me to put corn snakes together. Maybe. Maybe? No. Are you having I a need a calendar. You're having a conversation with yourself at this point. <laughs> and it will be over a year that you guys have been doing the podcast. I know. That's that's in uh, February, because we, we did the first episode or two or whatever right before Carpet Fest, before we went to Carpet Fest last year. So... Yeah, that's that's also crazy because well, we've done one each week. We're on thirty three, forty three, not thirty three, forty three. This will be when I'm getting ready to put put my corn snakes together. Well, great. So we'll have Joe on again. He'll tell you how to do it. Because we are breeding and hatching corn snakes. We are. We are. We. We. Oh, we're we're we are. And James is feeding all the babies <laughs> as they make it. James well, is. Jos- Josephine has already talked to Robert about getting a rack for baby corn snakes. That doesn't mean she's feeding baby corn snakes they don't want to eat. Using Joe's uh, I mean, li- lizard slushy. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she would love to do that. <laughs> Splitting heads of pinkies, all that good stuff. Yeah, shoving mouth tails down their throat—it'll be great. Yeah, no big deal. Oh. Yeah, you sure want to breed? Yes. What the fuck? Because <laughs> you still aren't. She's like, yes, I still want to breed because you're still doing it all. Uh, I love you. <laughs> anyways. Uh, so yes, if you want to buy a corn snake, go talk to Joe. He's got corn snakes right now. So hey, Robert, if you want to buy a corn snake, Joe's got corn snakes. I've right already now. added two to my cart on his website right now. <laughs> Just have to decide if I'm actually going to buy them or not. <laughs> what, what are they? I want to. Okay, now I got to go look at his website. Oh, uh, the Snow Miami Okatee. Oh, there's a sale. Oh, those for are Cyber sick. Monday. It doesn't. They uh, don't no. look like. It's hard to tell in the picture what they look like in real life. They're pretty sweet. Are they? That they big? are. Look at that. They Oak-tee. are assholes. All of the no. Miami Ogatees. That means they eat. Yes, and they're yeah, big. Like the- they come out bigger than the others for whatever rich reason. Like I have certain clutches that come out. Oh, you know, smaller wild. than others. The Miami Ogatees are always game. They always eat when they come out, but they are ready to rock. That's what and I your heard. Your testers have like God. Your testers have really good solid lines They're down the so back. So beautiful. Yeah. So that's Josephine really what I doesn't go like for. the stripe. Josephine doesn't like the testers. I think she's weird. Well, we're not friends anymore. See, I'm, see, I'm <laughs> weird. I like the test, like the fucked up testers, the ones where like it's all jagged and it's not as no. I like I want those that too. clean one. I like this coral ghost testra. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah I, like I have a whole. Tetra. Those are nice. Those are towards like the lighter side of things. Uh, I have a different project that's going like completely black, like the Anneries black, and then I put it into Ghost, and then they're like purple with pink that I haven't oh. like I haven't released at all, but they're all perfect stripes down the back for the most part. Some of them are broken around the cloaca, which most of them are, but um, for the most part, solid stripes down the back. So I'm really excited to show people those. I haven't really put any of that out there, but I have some holdbacks from last year. Um, Ashley Howdy um, is the only one who has one of those animals, but uh, otherwise I've been holding them back and just because they start out looking rather dark and then they go through like an ugly phase where they turn purple and then they <laughs> go black again. So I'm, it's just nice see, to see the, the progression of everything. Do you have no idea what they're going to look like when they're babies? And, no, the problem is, is when we breed corn snakes – I'm not going to want to sell anything when it's a baby because I'm going to want to know what it looks like when it grows up. Yeah, you got to get over That's that. That's going to be the problem. <laughs> you, you, you feed them then and see how long you want to keep them. <laughs> so the, the snow fe- the snow tessera female that sold, was that from the brain? Yeah, and then that was to a sun glow. So that really, that animal, I actually, two weeks ago, I put it back as a hold back. And then... I realized I had two female holdbacks and then I was like, you know, I'll put it out there. It's the nicest one I have. Maybe I'll, I'll price it accordingly. And it's sold rather quickly, which like, I'm glad cause it's a nice animal. Like if I, I like, I kind of like, if I'm going to let something go, um, the fact that another person recognized that how nice it is and stuff like that, I think they'll be happy with it. So. I really like this. This Amel Buff Tessera Het Annery is awesome looking. Oh, so and then the the snow buffs are really really cool. It's kind of a little hard to explain, but the buff is oftentimes a red reducer or yellow enhancer, depending on how you look at it. So the the snow buff is super cool. It's uh, it's like someone peed in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> What's snow? This proven female you have looks like it's patternless almost. Like it's just. I don't know. It's hard to explain it. It looks very weird. Yeah. So that's the terrazzo that just blows out everything. And it's almost like uh, the way it's like, or at least in person, it's orange, gray, and purple kind of like fuzz, like you would on the TV. I don't know if TV still do that anymore. That uh... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure you just aged yourself and you're the youngest person on this podcast. So that's saying something, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, it's like white noise on the, on the TV or whatever you call it. Um, but that's kind of the pattern. It's I, I really love that. I really love anything that changes the pattern of corn snakes. I know a lot of people like the natural pattern, and I do too. But then again, I like to I like to mess it up. Joe, why do you have to have this twenty percent off site wide right now, man? You're killing me. Yeah, that's the it's, uh, and and I don't discount animals ever. It's mostly because of the move, and I want to get you know things. I want to get animals out before shipping stops and stuff like that. So this is the only time I've ever discounted any animals. So if anyone yeah. was going to buy will you be moving? the tab, uh, so probably late December, early January, hopefully. Oh, okay. It depends on quite a few things. There's so many things for us to figure out as well as I've got things to tie up over here in Philly and 
you know, my lease here goes until August, all that good stuff. So I've got stuff to figure out. I will say for anybody that does want to breed corn snakes, you have a male on here that I think would be amazing for any project. It's a Tetra Het Lava Terrazzo Caramel Sunkiss <laughs> Corn Male. Uh, yeah. Everything. Like, you're like, hey, let's see how much shit I can fit into one snake. Yeah, yeah. There's Dang, it looks cool. Probably some possible head stripe as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's even more possible hats and stuff like that in there. I have um, – what do I have? Yeah, I think that Lava Terrazzo may be the most hats that I have in an animal. But, yeah, we're looking at four to five hats on some of these things. Is that the Buff Hat Lava Terrazzo Caramel Sunkiss? So and that's and that's honey by the way. So so honey's caramel sunkiss and that's a pretty popular project that I have and those are usually like golden uh and yellow animals. And so and so the buff is a yellow enhancer like I was mentioning before. So I'm just hoping that it makes extremely bright yellow animals. And uh, so I'm really excited about that project and then the lava terrazzo's in there just as a wild card. Just to – if I put them together, I can get so many different things. There's definitely not, to my knowledge, a honey lava terrazzo out there and definitely not a honey lava terrazzo buff. What the hell does that look like? I don't even want to assume. Katie wants your gargoyle gecko, your bacon gargoyle gecko you ever saw. I love gargoyle geckos, but I couldn't talk Josephine into getting one of those, so we ended up with a crusty instead. They're awesome. I've been really, really enjoying the gargs and the the bacon line one. Like those usually go for like five to seven hundred dollars. I yeah. think I don't know how it hasn't sold, um, but yeah, it's a really, really cool animal produced by Chris Paintshop of Badlands Herpeticulture. I do want to tell everybody the one thing on your on your website that everybody needs to go buy because I always get compliments on it is your reptile shirt that looks like the Rugrats logo, but it says reptiles. I wear that at shows. And people love that shirt. Yeah, you were wearing it at, uh, like, what, Sunday at New Orleans? Yeah. We need to get you some more shirts. I do. I need to get a Port City Python shirt. I'll send you one. I can Ooh, do I that. like that Don't Kill Me Rattlesnake t-shirt. Ooh, I think I'm just going to Christmas shop from Joe's website. <laughs> <laughs> Joe says thank you. Yes, and this podcast was sponsored by Port City Pythons. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's, that's enough of searching Joe's oh, website. You gotta quit shopping. Keep on going. Robert's over there. <laughs> Robert's bought the right half of the course over there. It's... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, our dogs our are dogs fighting are in the background. Fighting over. If the Colorado show hadn't got canceled, I would be definitely buying a bunch right now. But that show, uh, uh, that hurt losing that show. Is that, is that in Colorado Springs or is it Pueblo? I don't Pueblo. remember. But they've dropped uh, all of Colorado down to only 25 people per event, including vendors and employees. So there just was no way we were going to be able to do it. Just 25 people at a time, bud. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We're going to have three vendors. And 20 <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it would be like a Repticon. Oh, I didn't say that. Sorry. Oh, he oh. said the word. <laughs> I didn't he say the whole word. Bleep that out. You gotta bleep that <laughs> no, out, Jay. Repticon needs to know they suck. They know oh they suck. That's gosh. that's not news to them. All right. So Joe's told us where he can where we can reach him. Robert, how can people reach you? 
uh, Lone Star Reptile Racks on Instagram and Facebook, www.lsreptileracks.com. It's got my cell phone number on there, my email address. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Call him. Tell him how horrible he is for keeping the animals in racks. Oh, you hush. All right, James, tell them how they can get a hold of us because I don't actually know what all there is. It's not that hard. So if you want to get a hold of me, I don't have any snakes currently for sale, but uh, Simply Serpents on Facebook or Simply Underscore Serpents on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me or find us at The Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook, The Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, or The Reptile Gumbo Podcast at uh, gmail.com. Ooh, I almost, that was my email. At gmail.com. Uh, oh, and this will make my, my friend Tracy happy. You can also find uh, Simply Bio on Facebook. That's where we sell our little bioactive habitats for like ice pods, small inverts. I'm just saying if anybody wants that, we sell those there. That way she can't. She always says, why don't you talk about us on there? So now I've plugged us. I'm good for the next year. <laughs> but that is, that's all I've got. Thanks, Joe, for coming on. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank Absolutely. you, Joe. And, and that's it. Goodbye. See Goodbye. ya.